The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Welcome back, Refuge Church. Awesome. There's, um, There's seats in front. Cozy on up. Well, it is so good to be with you guys. We are going to start today with a um, prayer of confession and a prayer for Ibrahim. I was reminded as Melinda was just asking me where he was. Ibrahim had surgery this last Wednesday on his Achilles. It ruptured during a soccer game, so he was getting that reattached which, yeah, I see all the cringes. That's about where I'm at in my gut right now. So we'll pray for him. He said the surgery went really well. The healing is extremely painful. So um, I, I do believe a meal train is going to be started for them too because uh, he's down for the count. So let's pray for Ibrahim, and then <clears throat> I'll just pray for us, and I'll pray a prayer of confession corporately for us, and then we'll give you uh, 30 seconds or so just a prayer pray your own prayer of confession as you come just to get your heart right with God, Um, let him hear what you bring to him this week, and then we'll enter the word of God together. So let's pray. Father, we know that when we don't quite know what to say, that It's your spirit in us that cries out, Father, Abba, Father. Many, many times when we know there's something that needs to be spoken, but we don't know what it is, you know because you've given us your spirit to, to be a part of that caring, part of the longing. So we do pray. This morning, not quite even knowing what to pray for Ibrahim other than just saying, please heal him up. Please restore him back to health so he can continue providing for his family as he does with the um, work of his hand. God, we also um, bring so much to you on our hearts and minds and say, look in us, God. See us. Lead us in your way, God, restore joy in us so we can walk in relationship with you and relationship with those around us. Praise in Jesus' name. Go ahead and spend some time praying before God before we get into the word of God. God, we thank you for your invitation, for your forgiveness. Amen. Amen. We are in a three-week series 
leading up to Ash Wednesday, which is February 22nd. We're going to share an Ash Wednesday service with Crossroads Neighborhood Church, and then we are going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. For the three weeks, next three weeks, 5th, 12th, 19th, we are going to be uh, taking the, the last part of Matthew 6, we'd started <clears throat> this year with a series called Life Savings, and now we're, we're going to finish off the chapter with a three-part series called Do Not Worry. That's it. Amen. Go home. <laughs> we're just going to repeat that every week. <laughs> Stop it. Do not worry. And this is our intro. Worry is a great way to waste your life. If you want to waste your life, take something that is out of your control and let it consume you. Jesus confronts three concerns that often control us. Worry about life, worry about stuff, and worry about the future. In this short series, Jesus invites us to a better way to approach our worries. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. How do you handle worry in your life? How do you handle worry in your life? Well, I was going to start with the illustration that maybe some of you would be very personal for, which would be looking up every little ache and pain on WebMD. And, and just, I've never actually done it before, so I went and I just saw a search bar, and I searched stomach pain, just generic, and I found that either I maybe had ulcers, I had, I don't know, the kidney stones, or the third thing was I could be pregnant. So <laughs> I, I did find there was another search bar where it could say I was a male, and maybe it would eliminate the third one, but... Honestly, I think I chose that introduction because it was still kind of arm's length from me. It ex it's not a worry I have. I don't worry about my health often. It's not something, thankfully, that, that at this point in my life I have many concerns about. I do have little aches and pains, but it's not something I'm WebMDing. I actually saw the doctor for the first time two months ago. Uh, it, it was 15 years before that I saw a doctor, so I just... Yeah, I know. Sorry. I, I like. I know that's not good, but but that's my life. So I don't WebMD stuff. But I thought if I was going to bring that close, what what is worry in my life? What does that look like? Well, <clears throat> this last Monday at 7 a.m., I received a text simply saying the back building in Tacoma is on fire. What? Now we own two buildings in Tacoma. The Coffee Oasis does. Um, a front one that we have a shelter up top and a bottom one that we just did uh, about a million dollar remodel on to open a drop-in center and a coffee shop, just like this place here. We also have a back building, it's a four-story building that was an apartment complex that we wanted to restore, remodel, so it could be transitional housing for youth. Well, early Monday morning, someone who was cold, broke in that building and started what's called a warming fire to stay warm. Soon it got out of control and by the time the fire department got there, it had burned through the second story to the first floor. Big 
eight-foot gaping hole. And by the time I did a walkthrough, the way I described it to Hannah was, uh, it was like walking through this tunnel of horror, the hallway, uh, to get to the rooms. It was, the char was so thick, the soot on the walls was peeling and uh, Joel went with me as we, we drove there. We were talking through it. And, and honestly, I wasn't that worried. Um, the news was new to me. And as we went, I thought, you know, man, there's a lot going on. We'll just see, see what, um, what the situation is. Well, as the week went on, you can only hear so many times people say, well, is insurance going to cover that? Before you start thinking, is insurance going to cover that? And, and all the work we've done in Tacoma, all the hopes that have been put into that location to be a place where youth can go and be restored from homelessness, um, it was and remains absolutely out of my control. That is a worry, that is concern, that's a care I carry. It is nonstop with me. From that Monday morning till this present moment, it's something I am constantly thinking about. I don't have a solution for that yet. How do we handle these worries? These things that aren't just like WebMD distant, but they're really, they're us, they're close, they're affecting us. They will affect positively or adversely our future. Well, the way this verse encourages us to handle the worries and the cares of our life is simply this. And, and I, I hope this is simple and short enough that you can carry this with you, that self-care, the way we care for our worries, care for our life, is seeking God first. That is what this scripture is telling us that self-care is. Self-care is. Caring for the worries of your life is seeking God first. Now that might not immediately make sense, so let's see how this passage builds it out. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew 6. If not, I believe it will be right up here on the screen. Matthew 6, we're going to start in verse 25 and read to the end of the chapter. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Isn't that true? So I'm going to start by just getting us on the same page of what worry is 
according to Matthew, according to this text. Use the word over and over again. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Worry. But um, I think worry is, we can read that a lot of ways. Worry can be kind of a casual thing for us. The, the word here literally means, and I think it's, it's translated really well in the King James Version, it says, take no thought of your life. Stop thinking about it. The, the word worry is exclusively the thinking that's happening here, the thoughts that it's saying don't entertain, exclusively refers to an anxious mind, a mind that is consumed by concern. Take no thought of that. Stop consuming yourself with your cares and concerns. What this is saying, and I'm going to relate this, if you weren't with us, sorry, but we're going to relate this to the sermon series we were just a part of that said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be. If you're, we, when you find your treasure, you can locate your heart. What we've just entered is where you locate your worries, you locate your thoughts, Right? Where your worries are, there your thoughts are. And to make this really practical, this plays out in our home almost on the daily when Hannah's describing something to me and after about 30 seconds she says, are you even listening to me? (laughs) It's true. Where are my thoughts? That's where she can locate me. Right? Not present in that conversation. (laughs) He's out there going amen somewhere, right? There we go. Yeah, she's just preaching, right? Locate someone's thoughts and you locate that person, right? So, our thoughts, where are they? Are they with God, seeking him, seeking him first? Or are they with our concerns, our cares, our worries? Well, what Jesus does here is pretty amazing he takes our, um, he takes with three questions, I think the main concerns of our lives. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, consolidate these three questions into, I, I think what the essence of them are. And I think the first is materialism, the second is our value, and the third is our mortality. The questions are these. The first, and I'll I'll pair them up here really quick just so we're on the same page. With materialism, you get this question, is not life more than food and the body more important than clothes? And the question there with materialism is, is this all there is? My concern is, is, is this, is this life? What I see, what I feel, what I touch, this concern that's consumed me, is this all there is? to this life. It's the concern of materialism. The second is value. And you get this in the question, are you not much more valuable than the birds? What value does my life really have? And some of us carry that. We're like, man, I'm I'm so busy, I'm doing stuff, I'm working, but at the end of the day, what value does my life have? And the last is mortality. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What do we do with this one life that we are given? This is what Jesus is confronting in three quick, powerful questions. So the first, materialism, defined this way, which is the tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. 
And we don't have to look far. We just covered this in the last, what, six sermons. But I think it is probably best described if we were to do that in one paragraph taken from the Madonna song, Material Girl, which goes something like this. Because the boy with the cold, hard cash is always Mr. Right. Because we are living in a material world and I, not referring to myself, am a material girl. You know that we are living in a material world and I am a material girl. It's humorous to read it and not sing it. It would probably be more humorous actually if I sang it. But it's not a joke. The MO of our hearts and our thoughts is to fill it with stuff. So the answer, is this all there is? We, we try to make it all there is. And so we fill it with this and we fill it with that. We fill it with food. We fill it with clothes. Have you ever wondered, given the life you have, the hair you were given, the body you were given, the face you were given, the personality you were given, have you ever wondered if that is all that matters? That is what Jesus is confronting when he says, is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothes? For us who every day, knowing better, are tempted to think, I am only the sum of what people see in my appearance. It's profound. It's a profound question Jesus is asking. Isn't the body more than clothes? Isn't it more than your appearance? The second thing is value. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? This is so fascinating. How many of us struggle daily not having the affirmation that our souls crave? The psychiatrist Kurt Thompson in this incredible book, The Soul of Desire, says this. He says, every baby comes into the world looking for someone who is looking for him or her. And this hunger does not go away. He writes, we long to be known forever, ever more deeply and joyfully. We long for that state of confident expectancy with every footfall that lands on life's pavement. We long with expectancy more and more and more for deep intimacy and joy to be taken in us. Now, I I told Hannah, um, much to my embarrassment, I was going to be quoting Madonna twice in this sermon. And this is taken, um, I I will say, this is from an interview in Vogue. I read it in Timothy Keller's book, The Hidden Beauty of Self-Forgetfulness. Beautiful little book. And he quotes this interview Madonna had at length. And she writes this, when we think of value... And oftentimes we assume those who are popular or have massive amounts of adoration and affirmation like her would inherently just, they would have so much value. And she, she said this, my drive in life comes from a fear of being, medi- being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I am still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. One day I get the verdict that I am somebody, but the next day I realize that unless I keep going, I am not. 
My ego cannot be satisfied. My sense of self, my desire for self-worth, my need to be sure of that I am somebody, it isn't fulfilled. I keep thinking I have won it from what people have said about me, what the magazines and newspapers have written, but the next day I have to go and look somewhere else. Why? Because my ego is insatiable. It's a black hole. It doesn't matter how much I throw into it. The cupboard is bare. I keep putting all sorts of things into it every morning, feeding it, and the next night it's bare. I have become somebody, but I still need to become somebody. That's powerful. It's a revelation. How many of us get that affirmation? And it's still, it's like, man, there's this, this cat, this bottomless well that we're just like, man, I just can't seem to get full. And Jesus says to Madonna, and he says to you, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than these. We struggle with, am I just my appearance? We struggle with, am I of any value? And the last, we struggle with our mortality. Can we add a single hour to our life by worry? And so we take this short life and we often waste it with thoughts like, am I making the right decisions? Will this injure me? And we are concerned about our concerns and we're worried about our worries. That is often the way we spend this short life we've been given. So what does Jesus say to this? This life of worry that many of us find ourselves in. He says, do nothing. That's not what he says. He says, seek Do this one thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this will be added to you. What does he mean by that? How is this actually a solution to those three things I named that probably consume us? Our lives require action, righteous action, seeking, seeking first his kingdom. Augustine wrote this. He said, the whole of life, the whole life of a good Christian is holy longing. That is our life, to be trained in holy longing. Seek first the kingdom. When the solution I am looking for, I try to find by looking to myself, which is where we often look for it, I will never be led to the place the psalmist leads us where he says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for God. Where can I go to meet with God? Where Jesus to the woman at the well says, whoever drinks of the water I give will never be thirsty. It will actually spring up from within them to eternal life. The promises of Jesus is not second best. When he invites us to seek him first, to self-care by seeking him first, it says the promise is that all of these things will be given as well. To the, to the, the longing of materialism, he says, you are not just this stuff. 
You're not just the food you eat. You're not just the body that is wasting away. You are created in the image of God. When we wrestle with value, we read that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knit you together in your mother's womb with that hair color, with those cute little expressions, with those cute angry expressions. (laughs) Who you are, the person you are stuck with, is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. That's what we learn when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We learn our place in his kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom that isn't of this world, a kingdom that cannot be taken away. We start locating ourselves in a place that cannot be touched by these concerns. Mortality. That you are eternal. God made you not just for this life, but the life to come. And that is why we have this longing for not just one time somebody saying, hey, I love you, you're beautiful, but every day and maybe every time they look at us, we want that again, right? Over and over and over again, in in that desire, there is eternity. That God is meeting us with by saying, You are my child, whom I love. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I want you. I want you forever with me. That's the response when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We start finding ourselves in his view, not our view. That's a beautiful thing. So what I want us to do is not to exaggerate our own importance and our concern, but don't minimize our importance, and our concerns because you are created in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a forever person made to be in relationship with God, just, not just now, but for eternity. That is enough. And when we find ourselves there because we seek first his kingdom, when we self-care by seeking him first, You will experience what Kurt Thompson said when he says, we are longing to be known forever, ever more deeply and joyfully. That is the finding you will find when you seek the kingdom. So how how do you handle the worries of life? It's a real question. How are you handling this week? Are you trying to find all the answers, all the affirmation, all that you need just by looking inward because you're not going to find it. Self-care by seeking God first. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Let him speak over you. You are loved. And live in that. Because guys, there's so much about my life I don't know how it's going to end up. (laughs) Right? So much at work like, oh, it's just out of my control. So what am I going to do? I'm going to seek first the kingdom. I'm going to seek first his righteousness. I'm going to hear his words to me. I'm going to go and live in response to that. I invite you to do the same. Pray with me. God, there is um, so much 
that right now when we read your word, we know that we are known. And I love it in 1 Corinthians where it says we're known and someday we will know fully, but right now we need to live lives knowing that we are known by God, loved by God. Living in that reality. When there are so many unknowns around us, God, give our hearts the courage to rather than incessantly seeking, holding, squeezing to death our own concerns, instead of doing that, give us the courage to seek your kingdom, to hear your words, to live by faith and not by sight. God, help us do this because we on our own are too weak to take this brave path. Help us respond to your invitation to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, We're going to take communion and we're going to worship together. Um, Every time we take communion, we remember when Jesus did something we could not do for ourselves. For all the, not just the concerns we carry, but the sin we carry, Jesus himself came and took care of that. That he who was without sin became sin for us. That in him we can be the righteousness of God. We can live free and forgiven. So every time we take communion, we remember that. We remember that that Jesus took our sin and gave us his life. So if by faith you claim that, we invite you to take communion with us. If you do not yet claim that by faith, we invite you just just to sit and just think about what that means. Um, we also are going to sing and just invite you uh, with whole hearts to sing out and, uh, and we'll have someone praying over here also.